Okay, let's talk about candles for a minute. Do you know that almost 2 billion candles are sold globally each year and almost all of them are likely to end up in landfills for the next 1 million years? It's insane. That's why I think it's really cool that Notes candles exist. They're working to eliminate single-use candle vessels and give home fragrance lovers a more earth-friendly option. Notes has created a refillable candle system that allows you to use your candle vessel over and over again. It is super easy. The candles are made with fragranced wax beads, so all you do is place the wick in your reusable notes jar and fill it up with the wax beads and enjoy your fragrance for up to 36 hours. The Santal and Atlas Cedar scent is like this woodsy calming smell. It's so nice. And they have oat milk and balsam berry, vanilla and pepperwood, pistachio and rose water, and a total of 13 really great options to choose from. Be a responsible consumer while not giving up high quality home fragrance by making the switch to notes. You can build your custom starter kit right now at notescandle.com slash that sounds fun. Right now, notes is giving our friends 15% off and free shipping when you buy a notes starter kit using the code that sounds fun. Just use that code that sounds fun when you're placing your order. That's that sounds fun at notescandle.com slash that sounds fun. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you today, even though I sound like this. Y'all know I'm recovering from a little cough from being in Hawaii, but we've got a great show in store for you today. Just a quick look at the calendar lets me know that in exactly three months from today, We'll be in Chicago, Illinois, right smack dab in the middle of the Here For You tour. My pal Carlos Whitaker and I will be visiting 13 cities across the country in June, bringing y'all a night of fun and laughter and great conversation and some really good surprises. So join us. All the info is at hereforyoutour.com. And that link, along with all the links to all the things, is in our show notes. So you can go there for links to tour tickets and to our partners, to the things our guests and I talk about today. It is all right there. And before we dive into today's conversation, I want to share about one of our amazing partners, Pine Cove Camp. Y'all may already know this about me, but I love summer camp. Like, I lived for it. It was part of pretty much every summer, literally every summer, of my life growing up. My church went to the same camp every year. I went to other summer camps. I have some of my most fun and truly most spiritually defining memories there. Want those kinds of experience for your kids? That's why I love partnering with Pine Cove Camp. They've got over 50 years of camp ministry experience, and they're bringing it to their newest overnight youth camp in Georgia, The Springs. Come on, Georgia. Summer after summer, every child at camp will not only hear the gospel, but they will see it lived out all around them through the staff and intentional camp activities. Campers build true in-person community and a shared foundation of gospel truth. Pine Cove has incredible college summer staff who are amazing Christian role models, and you will definitely want your kids to be around them. These carefully vetted, hired, and trained counselors aren't just going to sit around and passively watch your kids to make sure they're safe, though they will make sure they're safe, but they actually invest in the spiritual and personal growth of each child. You can read all about that selection process of the counselors on their website. Pine Cove is bringing Christ-centered, others-focused, and seriously fun counselors and activities to their new overnight youth camp in Georgia, serving third through ninth graders. Start a new summer tradition for your child at Pine Cove Springs this summer. Check out pinecove.com slash springs and use the code TSF250 for $250 off a first-time overnight youth camp registration. There are limited spots available, so be sure to go ahead and sign up now. We know you're making your summer plans, so go sign up. They've got wait lists forming for some of the weeks of summer already. Again, that's pinecove.com slash springs and use the code TSF250 for $250 off. Today on the show, I get to talk with my new friend, Kevin Burgess, better known as KB. KB is a Dove Award-winning, chart-topping rapper, a speaker, a podcaster, with albums like His Glory Alone and Today We Rebel. KB is co-host of the amazing podcast, Southside Rabbi. Y'all, it is so good. It's one of my favorites. And now, add to that incredible list of accomplishments, the title of author. KB's new book, Dangerous Jesus, Why the Only Thing More Risky Than Getting Jesus Right is Getting Jesus Wrong, is an absolute game changer. Honest and timely. It was truly mind-blowing for me, and I know y'all are going to find it challenging and faith-shaping too. I'm so grateful to get to know KB and to talk about how this book came about. So here is my conversation with our new friend, KB. KB, welcome to That Sounds Fun! 
Ah, we here. Okay. All right now. It's we real. Here. It is real. Finally. Listen, you're on my short list, man. I've been dying. I like it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Finally, you're here. Listen, I do have one quick complaint if we can start there. Let's yeah, that's how we start. That's how real friendship starts is with complaints. Yeah. You yes. only like boxing? That's your only sport? Oh, I, I, I said that about me. Um, <laughs> you know, in job interviews, ask you about what your weaknesses are. That's my my weakness. Like I, I just I played sports growing up. You know what I'm saying? I've, I'm, I'm kind. I used to be an athlete, but uh, I, I don't know. There's only I don't have a lot of time for a uh-huh. bunch of sports. There's only one that kind of ministers to my soul, and uh, <laughs> it happens to be the the pugilance. Yeah. Uh, the pugilist. Tell me why. Yeah, boxing. I think. Um, I think uh, for one, I'm. I'm a thinking man, and uh, I love sports that feel like athletic chess. Ooh. And uh, and that's what they say about boxing, that the the better it is, the more boring it is to the average consumer. Um, because I, I'm not into seeing people get hurt or to see blood and, you know, people knocked unconscious. I, I, I don't care about any of that stuff. That that seems that's more of a byproduct of the sport. But I like the the chess, the 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 strategy um what it takes it's been voted boxing is is as voted by espn as the hardest sport on the planet <gasps> yeah it's a very challenging sport you're making thousands of decisions every minute of every round you're on your feet the whole time you can only use your hands and it's it's exciting to watch when it comes together like beauty and motion and science so yeah that's why it appeals to me because I, I like thinking Okay, you are A, you're selling me on boxing and no one's ever done that before. So you win. And part two, one of the things I love about people is we are like kind of one lane. Like we're a backbone with a bunch of ribs. Yeah, amen. Your backbone is so solidly you're a thinking man. That's people's experience with you and your music. That's what you're explaining about boxing. That's what's true when I read Dangerous Jesus is really, I mean, you read a lot, right? I try. Yeah. I try. Yeah. Uh-huh. What tell yes. me what you're reading right now. Man, honestly, um I, I am in uh album mode right now, trying to finish my album. Oh my and gosh. So I, I haven't done any uh deep reading here in a minute, but this puppy right here, okay? Oh every moment holy. Dude. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> I know. I know. How often do you, are you turning a page in every moment holy? Every day, really, and, and 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 oftentimes, multiple times throughout the day. Um, I have found this to be like, you know, what Chat GPT is for, you know, people writing papers. Yes, this is for prayer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't know that Doug McKelvey would even uh, would have known he did that to us. <laughs> yes, so th- this has been my, um, you know, I've been trying to be sharp with dangerous Jesus to be ready for, you know, conversations. And we're doing a teaching series and stuff like that through it. But the the other thing that I've been holding a lot of in this scripture, you know, you, you know, on the side of each page is there's, there's, there's verses that accompany the prayer. You know, I've just been in this devotional bag here recently and uh, not necessarily thinking, uh, reading through dense works yeah. of, you know, in particular. So, yeah. Is that uh-huh. part of your system when right when I'm working on a book, I can't read other nonfiction. Like I, I because I'm like I will steal everything I read. I will just be a Hoover <laughs> vacuum cleaner, right? And so yes. so I'm wondering is that I mean if you're working on an album, you're you're telling people about Dangerous Jesus, you're teaching through Dangerous Jesus. You have your own podcast yeah. that everybody's listening to. So, in these kind of seasons, is that like a system of lighter reading? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. For sure. So I have systems where I'm I'm like I mean I have uh, seasons rather where I'm drinking down as much as I can and then I have seasons where I'm, you know, almost like rest and hibernation where yeah. I'm I'm mainly leaning on creation for my even my spiritual well-being. So I'm trying to rest a bunch. I'm trying to do rehab with my with my body. I do cryotherapy um <gasps> and uh we have this Yes. Wait, yes. that's like when you get in the booth that's really cold, right? Negative 170 get degrees. out of my life, KB. What are you doing getting in there? Is that an everyday thing? Is that How long are you in there? Teach me, teach me. 
Three minutes, three and a half minutes, negative 170. Oh my gosh. And uh, I try to do it twice a week. I try to do it twice a week. That is such but a bad idea. It, it's, it is brutal. It is brutal on, but I, I, I hate every moment of, well, I hate the last minute. The first two minutes, you're okay. Yeah. But the last minute becomes almost unbearable. Yeah. But all of that is these, these, God is in, in, in my estimation has left, um, these avenues of recovery mm. and restoration it has tremendous effects on who you are spiritually. Yeah. It, it affects your patience, the, your your endurance, your 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 sort of control over your mind, and it disciplines you. Mm. That has physical discipline that has spiritual benefits, which is what physical discipline exists for. Yes. Um, so I have seasons where I'm I'm really giving myself to that, you yeah. know. Yeah. And then there's, but now I'm sort of in a season of preparing people for what's to come, yeah. which also involves me finishing a bunch of stuff. So, uh, <laughs> you know, which is a lot of work. That's a lot of work. Listen, it's easy to start stuff. I can start stuff like a professional finishing it. That's yes. a whole other thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. And Dangerous uh-huh. Jesus is your first book you've written, right? Or at least that we've publicly That's consumed. Right. Yes. The first book I wanted to write for a long time. And, uh, by God's grace, my publisher found me. Uh, literally, uh, someone from their team, Sarah Atkinson, she yes. bought a VIP ticket to a, at a concert. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure they were able to, they, they were able to write that off because I was like research and development. <laughs> 100% she did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she bought this ticket. We had five minutes, a one-on-one for five minutes. And she said, hey, like your music, great. But that's not what I'm here to talk about. I want to produce a book for you. Yeah. How do I talk to you about that? And I was like, oh, we've been praying about this. Yes. And uh, it was a match out the gate. We didn't do a lot of shopping around, any of that stuff. It was, uh, it felt right, aligned, envisioned. They believed in me and and here we are. I mean, I, I told you this before we started, but I read Dangerous Jesus this week and it is, it is really good, KB. I mean, it, it shows so such a depth. That's how I knew you read books. That's how I knew you were a reader is, is there are friends of ours who write books and they have a lot to say and they say it and it's very sure. good. But there are other times where you read a book and you're like, oh, this was from like a well that has existed for a mm. long time, but no one's ever dropped a bucket in it. And that's kind of what I what? felt reading Dangerous Jesus is that you've been collecting up. Way? Yeah, that's how it, that's how it feels. Is that how it feels on your side? I mean, have you been holding back all of this? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that is um I have so uh, you're right, it has been brewing for years yeah. cuz I'm I'm traveling I'm traveling the world, but I'm my my identity isn't mainly in my my public travel and public persona, my public brand, my identity is mainly in my local community. I I have deep rooted relationships, deep discipleship opportunities. And I've seen the Lord, I've seen a Christianity that feels so pure Mm -hmm. and so empowering, so uh, thorough, speaks to so much of who I am and who I want to be. I've lived in that for 15 years and I have traveled a many of places and stood on a many of stages where it was like, I don't think people, I I think there are a lot of people that aren't experiencing this and I'm having conversations with them about who it is that they, that they worship and what it is that they, that they believe that they're doing when they gather. Mm. And I'm like, man, there is, there's a difference. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm thinking in some respects, not that there is a kind of superiority or uh, supremacy in the way that I'm thinking through what it means to follow Jesus. But I think that there is a ancient, never changing, historical Christian experience that Christians have sort of been involved in at various times mm-hmm. in history mm-hmm. and in their lives is a demonstrable difference Yes, that, you know, that you don't get to experience unless you are 
actually believing Jesus for who he is, Mm -hmm. not for how maybe the culture imagined him. And I think that in some ways, not perfectly, but at least in a substantial way, I I have seen that kind of sacrifice. And I told the story about the, the, these, these two sisters in my community where one sister was in need of a kidney. Yes. Yes. KB, that story. There's another sister, Gina Rodriguez, who ironically just texted me today. Uh, her husband, by God's grace, I was a part of discipling him. Yeah. They are married and have a wonderful, godly marriage. They've been married for some time now. This sister, she went and served in the 1040 window for some time, you know, wanting to win people to Jesus in restricted nations that mm-hmm. I'm like, these are the, I, I'm, I have stories after st- story after story of individuals around that I've seen God do that here in this extended community. And I've, I've tried to write a book that in some regards is capturing the heart of, of my experience. So, yeah. Hey, friends, just interrupted this conversation real quick to share about one of our amazing partners, Ethos School. The educational landscape is changing quickly, and it's understandable to want more than a one-size-fits-all experience for your kids' education. As a Christian online school, Ethos understands the responsibility parents feel to ensure their child develops academically and socially and spiritually. Maybe you've considered homeschooling your child, but the thought of mapping their academic path to prepare them for college feels overwhelming. I understand that. And good news. Ethos partners with parents to shape their children as whole people, offering over 100 relational, high-quality online courses for 4th through 12th grade students, including multiple world languages, math, dual credit, and advanced placement options, and weekly time with a live teacher and classmates. At Ethos, families can choose either a single course or a full course schedule to enroll their child. So visit ethosschool.org slash TSF. Ethos is offering to waive your $95 enrollment fee and are offering each of our podcast listeners a complimentary academic counseling session to plan out your child's academic journey. Ethos's online teachers are expert educators and each one either has or is currently pursuing a graduate degree. No wonder Ethos advanced placement scores soar above national averages. Again, Ethos is waiving that $95 enrollment fee. So visit ethosschool.org slash TSF or check out the show notes to plan your child's educational journey with an ethos academic counselor. And I've got one more incredible partner to tell you about pros. Oh, y'all are ridiculously kind and encouraging on the internet when you think I'm having a good hair day. And I have to give credit where credit is due. Thank you, Mr. Miss F Downs for the good jeans and to pros, the world's most personalized hair care. Switching to a custom routine from pros was one of the best things I have done for my hair. And the results I'm seeing just keep getting better. My hair is shinier, thicker, and more manageable than it's ever been thanks to pros. They took my answers to their in-depth hair quiz, y'all. We love a quiz and created a unique formula just for me. You can get started the same way. Join the over one million people who've gotten consultations on everything from the climate where you live, the issues you have with your hair, your hair type and texture, your eating habits. They analyze 85 personal factors and then handpick clean ingredients that get you closer to your hair goals with every wash. I love the review and refine tool, which lets me tweak my formulas for any reason in case I change up my address or my hair color or even my diet. Pros wants to get that formula completely dialed in, which I love and I think it's pretty fun, actually. As a carbon neutral certified B Corp, Pros is an industry leader in clean and responsible beauty. All their ingredients are sustainably sourced, ethically gathered, and cruelty-free. They're also the first custom beauty brand to go carbon neutral. If you're not 100% positive Pros is the best hair care you've had, they'll take the products back, no questions asked. Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Literally, they put your name on the bottle. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash that sounds fun. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash that sounds fun for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. And now back to our conversation with KB. One of the benefits of my seat in this world we share is that I get to read everybody's books early, right? And so I get this example of seeing these themes come out. So right in 2021, we had these themes of resilience and and strength. And, and I am telling you, KB, I have goosebumps telling you that the theme right now is God is raising up prophets to say, Christians, oh, come on. stop it. Have you, you and David Platt, I'm talking to both of you today and, and both books are, have you read this one yet? Have you read Don't Hold Back yet? I have not. 
No. If you knew how y'all, Carlos Whitaker, all these men standing up as prophets are saying, you have missed Christianity, America. You have missed it. And so will you talk about in your book, the way you separate it is you say the Christianity of the land and the Christianity of Christ. Will you kind of talk through those differences for us? Like open our eyes. You opened my eyes when I read Dangerous Jesus. Open our eyes to the difference. Oh, I love that. Yes. And just a quick correction. Gina's name is Gina Concepcion. She's married. So very good. Listen, Um, I'm not married yet either. And once I get a new last name, you better get it right. So we've been waiting. We have been waiting on that new last name. No one, no trouble. So yes. So I I lifted the phrase from Frederick Douglass, who is this incredible picture of Christian faith in a culture that is abusing Christianity in a way that everybody recognizes because he, obviously he was, he hailed from slavery and he was able to discern that though he talked about, um, I believe his, his, uh, his master in the South, in the antebellum South, his name, I think his name was Thomas all. I can't remember his master's name, but he talked about how he would watch that gentleman abuse an image bearer into the inch of their lives and then go in the house and do devotionals with his family. And how religion, in some respects, became this blinder that allowed people or this justification that allowed people to participate in things that are obviously wrong, but they were able to sort of press press that wrongness down in their conscience yeah. and then theologize the situation in a way that would allow them not to be held accountable. And that's what religion does if it is separated from Jesus. Mm. You can have what Jesus sort of prescribed without having the person of Jesus Christ. And what, what Frederick Douglass said is that this is the Christianity of the land that isn't deserving of the name. I and mean, 200 I, years ago, he said that. That is wild, KB, that that, that is still yeah. true today. And he saw that in the 1800s. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he kept his faith. He grew in his faith. He became a, 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 a champion for faith because he saw that as a different thing than the Christianity of Christ, which was pure, peaceable. As the scripture says that the the, the throne of God is built on justice, that there is is not some kind of conflict of interest with God taking care of the vulnerable, Mm. okay, and his love for everyone, that that there is a aim in the Christianity of Christ that is good for humanity. And I think in a lot of respects— what we have in that sort of motif is the conundrum of every generation. Every generation has to discern the land, understand the times, and see how all of us might be complicit in a Christianity that is more of our imagination. If the whole aim of walking with Jesus is to be conformed into his image, in his likeness, then we have to deal with the fact that that same agenda exists in the world. The world is wanting to shape you into its image and its likeness. And whether you like it or not, all of us have ways in which we have been shaped. And those things are not a sort of you know side issue for the kingdom. No, it's actually the purpose of discipleship yes. is to unshape you and reshape you into another existence that is more than counterculture. It's other culture. It's of heaven. It's not of right or left. It is of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is our, that, that's discipleship right there. And we are better off if we give ourselves to losing the Christianity of the land to gain the pure, peaceable, powerhouse, dangerous Christianity of Christ. Yes. you. On, on, I'm going to quote you to you on page 146. You say, one of the great failings of the Christianity of the land is how quiet it can be in the face of suffering. Yes. Jeez, KB. That just like 
made my stomach hurt when I read it. I mean, it's right because you do a beautiful job writing about this in the book, but I'd love for you to talk about it too because you talk about a lot of different groups of people, different people in beliefs on religion of like even other religions, of LGBTQ friends, of different parties and political. And you're like, just get close to them and see their suffering and love. So, So where do we bring our high convictions to meet with the love of Jesus? How do we reconcile those in ourselves? Yes. And thank you. Great question. There is, in my estimation, and my pastor has helped me out on this a lot. In fact, I, I credit him for a lot of the ways in which I think about the Christianity of Christ. But my pastor talks about the importance of these three areas of pursuit of God. Mm. One is orthodoxy, right? So we want to think in a way that is right, that is historically and biblically accurate. We want to be orthodox in our thinking. Then we talk about orthopraxy, where there we do want to also stand up. Here are the things that Christians do. Mm. And I understand the, the, the kind of Christian do what Christians do can oftentimes be more cultural than biblical, yeah. but it's a good conversation. Yes. We need to have distinction in how we practice. But then the other piece is called orthopathos, which is how do Christians feel? Mm-hmm. And Christian feeling is a massive sort of thread that runs through the New Testament. When you see Jesus in his lower region feeling compassion for the loss and him weeping in John over the death of Lazarus, who he would resurrect later, but he still weeps at the suffering of Martha and Mary and the death of his friend Lazarus. When you see Jesus's heart leading his actions in terms of the compassion that he feels all the way up to the cross when he's on the cross and being overwhelmed with compassion. The people who are creating the greatest blasphemy known to man, they are crucifying the son of God. His heart is still moved for their forgiveness. Yeah. We do not recognize that it's the heart of God, his leaning towards humanity that has set the stage For salvation, if God did not have a heart of compassion towards enemies, no one would be saved. And what I feel like is that we often, we often forget that the conversations around justice need to also include tears. The conversations around reaching the loss need to include tears. They did for Charles Spurgeon. They did for the first and second, third century Christians. That, that, that it was a kind of what we have done here in America, the Christianity of the land is that we have demonized feelings. Mm. We, have, we, have, we, have, we, have, we have made the where your heart stands on an issue unimportant. It's just how you think, orthodoxy, and what you say you should do, your, your, orthoprax, or your orthopraxy. But what you cannot manufacture, what is not easily manipulated by culture is what's going on in your heart. You need the Holy Spirit for that. Yes. And you need to be leaning in, as I call in the book, practicing Pentecost. Yes. For you to be in a place that that I my heart is responding correctly towards the suffering of those around, around me. And when that happens, you will find that the way in which you engage them becomes one that is filled with credibility. Yes. People actually can trust you. And then you also will find yourself being able to get the right orthodoxy and orthopraxy into the conversation mm-hmm. because it will be led by a heart of compassion. All of that is in, in the Christian. It's not bifurcated in just thinking things. No, we are desiring things. We are emotions. We are feelings. We are pathological in that respect. So I want to remind us that The silence towards suffering is not that we just didn't tell you the right people to care about. It's not just here. Right. It's here. Right. And that's an important piece that has to be present in the conversation or there is no impact in the way that God would have us to be impactful. Yeah, it's just so not popular to try to stand in the middle. Right. To try to love. I mean, it just what we watch on the Internet is the people who get the most followers are the ones who go so hard left or right in whatever way, not just left and right, but in whatever way. I want to read. uh, You said we will never be conservative enough. 
liberal enough mm-hmm. or woke enough to be truly at home in any of the world's circles. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. there's just a loneliness to it, right? There's just a loneliness to trying yeah. to to balance this. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And we need people. We need, and, and, I, and, and God is doing it. That's, let me just say this too. Regardless of how anyone feels about what we are advocating for, which I would argue is biblical Christianity, Christianity of Christ, yes. which is a Christianity that is not bought by any side, but has something to say to every side. Yeah. And I say that as a conscious black conservative. I mean, that that would be my the category out and my leanings. I, I mentioned some of that in, in the book. Yeah. I'm not saying that that Christianity is anti-affiliations. But the truth of the matter is, God is raising up young people. God is raising up millennials, Gen Zers that are not going to they're not going to have anything to do with a kind of Christianity that lives and dies on dog whistling or yes. or sort of uh, throwing meat at the at the base or you know being having the right guys thinking you're cool. I see that on Twitter so much. Yeah, I, I see people tweet stuff all the time, and, and at least in my estimation, you are only tweeting this because you hope the guy sees it and and can say, yeah, he's one of us. Yes, that kind of stuff is dying out. Oh, I hope so. And God is going to give himself. He is giving himself Mm -hmm. to those who are standing up and saying, no, I really want to be known by my truth and my love. Yes. That's my camp. Yeah. And I'll tell you, KB, for me, it is so much easier to be forward with the love and more quiet with the truth. That's just mm-hmm. so much easier for me. I And I know that we have friends who go, hey, I'll go truth first. I'll say I love, but I'm going to go truth and go loud truth. And that yeah. I'm teach me how to balance because you do it beautifully in the book where you say, here's where I stand on this. But that does not mean that these type of people are not in my community. Like I am yeah. in community. So how do we stand Teach me. I don't. I, I'm not even talking about the listener. I'm talking about you and me, KB. If we're having coffee, teach me how to yeah. be okay that my truth may hurt people's. Not my truth, but the the yeah. truth I believe may hurt people's feelings and feel like it's not love. Right. Right. Absolutely. What a great question, because as we have kind of set with the data around why people are basically leaving the faith, at the top of that list there are. Issues or there are concerns that are offered that are essentially saying, I believe what it means to love me is to agree with me. Yes. And there is a there is a strong leaning in the world that would suggest that that is the only way to show love is agreement. Full agreement. Right. Now, we can't. That's not where we are. I can't do that. that. Yeah. We can't be held hostage to the culture's definition of what it means to be loved. But we have to be held hostage. I hope not held hostage. We'll volunteer ourselves, rather, to be connected to God's vision of love. Yes. What do God continually doing for his enemies? He is providing for them. He's letting the, the, the rain water on their crops, yes. the, the, the sun shine uh, uh, on their skin. He's allowing for uh, provisions. He's protecting. He is supporting. He is, in a lot of ways, a enemy lover all the time mm. to the point that people wreck, even people that are far from him, especially on a turbulent airplane. <laughs> right. <laughs> they can recognize there's some somebody's holding this together, yeah, okay? Yeah. Because, and, and what I'm saying is a part of the means by which we win people to Jesus is we talk to them about the way in which God's goodness should lead them to repentance. Mm. It's more than just that God, and, and you get that, that God thinks that you're wrong about X, Y, and Z, but it's deeper than that. He's incredibly merciful, good, kind, and generous to you. And what I'm saying is, do we have enough stock, cachet? Do we have enough, uh, do we have a war chest of goodness and grace and mercy and kindness that we have shown in addition to your wrong, that that we don't agree on that? Because if we just go into, hey, 
I think you're wrong. Let's get that established. And for you, that means that I can't love you. And let's just leave the conversation there. If that is what we want to do, then we don't get to go into the chest. Neither do we have a track record of having been inside that chest. If you're in a family, you you understand, which most of us are, you understand that there are people within your, 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 you know, your immediate family that you've had crazy disagreements with. And even sometimes in those disagreements, especially if I think about between a husband and, and, a, and a wife who may have a, a, a very hard, like we are, this is contentious. This, yeah. is, this is like a sort of toxic conversation. There still should be some kind of safety net at the bottom of the disagreement that is, I may be mad, mad right now. But I know this person loves me. Yeah. And if we don't begin to sort of display that and how we live in this world, like I know I can't stand where he stands on this, but I know they love me. Why? Because they supported me here. They protected me here. They gave to me here. They marched with me here. Yeah. If we don't have any of that, why do we expect for our truth to be heard. Mm. The love outside barring a miracle and praise God for that. I'm not saying it won't be heard, but I'm saying that love is to undergird what we do because it gives us credibility when we want people to believe where we stand. Yeah, which is why it's hard to talk about truth and love on the internet because there is no ability to build that war chest because you're you're just going to get yelled. I mean, you tell a story in the book where you posted on Facebook and someone said, no Christian artist or child of God should be speaking about these things on social media. And you just go like, KB, what do you do? That's, that is where I get ruffled up is I'm like, I don't know how to live truth and love in a public life. And everybody listening has social media. Like all the reason they know this conversation exists is because they have social media. So is there a way to do truth and love on social media? Good question. I think it is very, very difficult. So hard. I think you have to social media with some, with some kind of universal truths in mind. Number one, social media is not real life. It's not real. It is not. <laughs> it's not real. The arguments people are having on Twitter, most people are not having those arguments. No. Uh, the, 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 the way, if you're on Facebook in the comment section, someone said something slick about you, most people are not going to walk up to you and say that kind of thing. Yes. The real world is off of social media. Do not buy in to the expert marketing. That because a part of the expert marketing of social media is to teach, is to convince you that this is the real world. Yeah. So I do. Think wow. If, so this isn't real. So what that means is you don't have to always be fighting. I would ask myself before I engage in a debate, is this going to be fruitful in the end? Mm-hmm. And if it is not going to be fruitful, if there's, I understand some debate is good, you know, us going back and forth, people are reading us, they're being helped, being set free. I think that I need to have these universal truths. This isn't real. And also I need to recognize that this could be a fantastic throwing of pearls among swine. Right, right. You don't want to. At, at all, especially if you're being changed in real life by what you're reading in social media life, meaning yeah. I'm becoming angry, bitter, ruining my day. I've had days where where I'm up, I'm supposed to be having dinner with my wife and I'm responding to somebody on Facebook. All of that, I think, can erode your ability to show love. And this is the last thing I'll say about this, because I'm just, these are kind of like, I want to have this in my mind before I respond. The other thing that I want to have is respond like there are non-believers in the room that are interested in Jesus. KB. Filter through that lens. Okay. That could just make me weep thinking about that. That is it. Respond on social media like there's unbelievers in the room who want to know about Jesus. Yes. Dude, that's it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. I need you to do an entire episode of Southside Rabbi about that. I just need an entire podcast episode where you do that. Because if every believer would hear that, KB, how how could they? How could they say some of the things they say if they thought a non-believer is watching this who might be interested in Jesus and knows I'm a believer? Yes. Yes. Oh, Mm -hmm. Lord have mercy.
I'm it telling you, I am eight seconds from weeping. So you just need to slow <laughs> down, KB. <laughs> I can't do it. Hey, friend, just interrupted this conversation one more time to share about another amazing partner, Haya Health. I know that all of you who are parents or are friends with parents care about the kids in your life staying healthy. But here's the thing. Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. I'm sorry to stay filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals and other gummy junk growing kids don't really need. That's why Haya was created. They're the pediatrician approved, super powered chewable vitamin. While most children's vitamins are filled with five grams of sugar and can contribute to a variety of health issues, Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy gunk, yet it tastes great and is perfect for picky eaters. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full body nourishment our kids need with a yummy taste they love. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables, then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals, including vitamin D, B12, C, zinc, folate, and many others to help support immunity, energy, brain function, mood. Y'all know your kids need some mood help, some concentration help, teeth, bones, and more. It's non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, and everything else you can imagine. Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door so parents have literally one less thing to worry about. I got some of these to pass along to my sister for my nephew, and believe me, he's got discriminating taste. Handy that they taste awesome, and your kids will love the bottle. It comes with your first order, and they'll get to decorate it with the stickers that are included. That's adorable. You know I love when companies go on and ship us refills so we never run out of the things we need. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for the best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order, literally 5-0. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash that sounds fun. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash that sounds fun and get your kids the full body nourishment that they need to grow into healthy adults. And I've got one last incredible partner to tell you about. Speaking of staying healthy, it's ZocDoc. Man, there is nothing better than a doctor's appointment where you are the center of attention. And the doctor seems to have like nothing else to do or nowhere else to be. They are so focused and listening so intently, asking how you feel, helping you along. ZocDoc, that's who you're going to find, is doctors who focus on you, listen to you, and prioritize your care. ZocDoc is the only free app that lets you find and book doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them, and treat almost every condition under the sun, like maybe a cough you picked up in Hawaii, possibly. When you're not feeling your best and you're just trying to feel better, that is me. Finding great care shouldn't take up all your energy. That's where ZocDoc comes in, using their free app that millions of users rely on. You can find the right doctor that meets your needs and fits your schedule. You can book an appointment with just a few taps in their app and start feeling better faster with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash that sounds fun and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc.com slash that sounds fun. ZocDoc.com slash that sounds fun. And now back to finish up our conversation with KB. One of the things you talked about recently on Southside Rabbi, which I thought was so interesting, and you hit on it in Dangerous Jesus too, is deconstruction versus deconversion. Uh, I don't yeah, think yeah, enough yeah. people are talking about this because everybody's talking yeah. about deconstruction, but we need to make yeah. space and and make some distinctions between deconstruction yeah. and deconversion as we're watching our peers and the generation below us. Right, right. Absolutely. Can you talk a little and bit I, about I, those two? For sure, I would love to. I think that the deconstruction conversation is one that we should have carefully. Yeah. And 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 I I was on tour with somebody last year who I felt was like a like somebody who was tasked to remove fine china from a cabinet and decide to do it with hammers. Oh jeez. Um, <laughs> That's what it felt like. Every night I'm, I'm uh, hearing, I just, it's like, this This sounds like, and again, I know I want to be accepted. And we all want to be accepted. Yes. Nobody is, is free from an audience, okay? Yes. But man, we have to be careful that we're not simply just trying to say the things that our tribe wants to hear. Yes. I'm sorry. Back to de- deconstruction. No, I, li- I mean, you just go where you want to go. Okay. We need to talk about it carefully because not everyone means the same thing when they use that phrase. Some people are thinking about it in, in strictly academic uh, 
in, a, in an academic way where there's a, a history of deconstruction that was you know, introduced by uh, a philosopher. Some people are simply saying, and this is what I think that there's the deconstruction that leads to destruction, yeah. destruction, destructive deconstruction, but there can be constructive deconstruction yes. that looks more like sanctification. That there is, I have realized that I have been holding on to beliefs, beliefs, milieus, doctrines, attitudes that I thought was of God. I, I, I thought these things were, I, I needed these things to know who I was yes. to find, whether through scripture, through relationship, through maturity, that these things have nothing to do with Jesus. They are my culture. They're my yes. church. They're my city. They're my heritage. They're my racial group's burden. And these kinds of things have now come into question. And I need to remove those things so I can find a more pure, a perfect example of this. I think I might've mentioned this in the book too. I'm not sure if this stayed in the book or not, but I was talking to one sister who was talking about how she was going through deconstruction. And a lot of people went through deconstruction around after the death of George Floyd, yeah. because they went to the churches and, and, and thought that we were going to be like, Hey, that, that was wrong. Right. Yeah. And to have people stand up and then begin to spiritualize a protection of, you know, of, of, of an idea or of a position in society that would completely disregard folks who they cared about. So my, excuse me, her estimation was I need to lose these things. And I feel like in my believing the kinds of things that are thro that are not of Jesus, that is actually taking me away from Jesus. And that the church that she was in, in this particular situation, this, this, the, the church started to become abusive to her so much so that she couldn't see Jesus anymore. Yeah. She could only see her wounds. Yeah. And she wrote, she wrote in her journal, she said, Jesus, show me who you were, who I knew you to be before I took on this church's wounds and this wow. church's beliefs and practices. And she said she she started to deconstruct and, and she wrote in her journal after a while through prayer and worship and good people leading and discipling her through this. She said, Jesus, I found you again. Mm -hmm. And I think in that respect, you have a beautiful example of somebody that's saying, I'm not trying to run from Jesus. I'm trying to run to Jesus. Yes. And there's a bunch of obstacles that have been placed here, not by the spirit of God, but by the spirit of the age, the zeitgeist yes. of my church or my community or whatever it may be. That is a good thing. And I would say that deconversion, which is more in the destructive deconstruction, mm -hmm. the destructive deconstruction. I would put those together because that really is deconverting is trying to find a way to safely uh, sort of comfortably with a clear conscience walk away from Jesus. In that respect, that's when we have a conversation about needing to evangelize or needing to, to, to win somebody to Jesus. Mm -hmm. But don't just quickly get to the space and say, Everything's all right here. We're fine. All these investigations and the sort of apparent uh, racial injustice issues and all those kinds, all of that's fine. We just have Jesus. Don't ask any questions. If you do that, then you're not going to be taken serious. That's right. Let people sanctify their beliefs that they might get to a more pure relationship with Jesus. And a lot of people are motivated by just that. I want a pure relationship with Jesus. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think the idea of deconstruction, the way when you separated those out for me was the first time I had this moment of like, oh, I actually have deconstructed 15 times because I have, <laughs> I have taken things I learned as a young adult in my faith and I have yes. unbuilt what I learned to rebuild with scripture what is actually true. And so yeah. that gave me a healthy view of deconstruction in my own life that I probably wasn't paying attention to. And now I am more tender toward my friends who are deconstructing and more aware of my friends who have actually deconverted, but probably aren't even using yeah. that language for themselves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's really helpful. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Amen. And and I think that's why I'm saying that we have to approach the conversation carefully. And yeah. that's one thing that, we, that I mean and I push really hard on Southside Rabbi is just don't settle for the easy, accessible answer. Like, consider that we are nuanced, complicated, confused, broken. What does that mean? How do you fix broken things? Do you do you, you go in and, and just grab them and start throwing stuff back together? Put, no, 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 no. You. This is why I even think what you know. The scripture says to restore your brother gently. 
that there is a carefulness that you want to use when we're talking about these issues. Yes. Tell me where you're teaching through Dangerous Jesus so we can link to it. How can we watch all that? So uh, the teaching series will be hosted on Right Now Media. Oh, good. Yeah, Right Now Media. And then you also be able to get access to it to the teaching series through Southside Rabbi. Okay, so people can go ahead and get their Dangerous Jesus copy right now, wherever you buy books. I need them to hurry, get a handful of them, and then we can listen to you actually teach us through it and do this over and over again that you've just done with us. (laughs) Yes, yes. And and the audio book is produced by the same gentleman, Derek Webb, who does our, our podcast. So there's sound, there's sounds in there, there's sound effects. It feels more like you're listening to a podcast. Yeah. Uh, just a, a normal um, audiobook. That is kind of the future of audiobooks, isn't it? Is everyone is like, I'm taking in audio all the time. Make that audiobook not boring for me. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh-huh. like it's probably only been in the last five years that people have started. I think Malcolm Gladwell really led the way of people going yeah. like, let's make the audiobook an experience, not yeah. just yeah. the written word said out loud. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, Absolutely. I have one more question about your writing process because in your acknowledgments, you thanked a co-writer who you said, "When I was unable to type anymore, thank you for listening and letting me just say the chapters out loud." So many yeah. of our friends yeah. listening are writers as well. Will you just give permission to that? Will you talk about that part of the process? Yes. So, I wrote so I did my, my I wrote like the first two-thirds of the book. Yeah. And I, you know, and I, and for whatever reason, I write better when I am sitting in hot water. Uh, I have no idea why. I was in a hot tub. You and your temperature controlled experiences. I don't know why, but I, I, I can go seven, eight hours. I was all pruned no, up. Oh, yes, like that's this, so dangerous. You know, yeah, it was dangerous. I could have passed out, I could have died. Uh, we have this above ground hot tub, and my mother and father in law, they have a nice little in ground hot tub. Yeah. So I'm like, man, I, four hours, please. Anyways, uh, so I boiled and write. But at the end of it, after two months of writing, because I wrote that two thirds in about two months and a oh, two and a half months. Oh my gosh. And uh, what is that? That's so I, fast. I, okay. Okay. It was a little, okay. I got you. All right. Yes, that is so, that was my, my I, oh my so, gosh, was around I, the speed I, of that. I have to do like an album and I'm about to go on tours. I, I got to get this done. So, so I wrote the first two thirds and I turned it in and, and I, I got, I was like, y'all be brutally honest. Am I right? I haven't, I used to be a really good writer in college. So like, you know, like I like was like competition kind yeah. of stuff, but I hadn't really written for real in a long time. So I was like, guys, is this good? I, I feel strong about it. What are y'all thoughts? Um, I, I, I try to be poetic in my writing. So, you know, there's a lot of flowers of rhetoric in there. And they were like, this is great, but we need it longer. We want it longer. We want to yeah. do hardcover. We need to go long. So I was like, there's some stuff I would like to write about. It's actually like three or four of the things I would love to write about. But my brain is done. Yeah. I'm tapped out. <laughs> I don't have a month. So uh, then that uh, Carol, I believe her name is Carol Traver. And then also um, a brother named Isaac Thompson. They graciously stepped in and allowed me to just dictate to them what I wanted. So I I could talk like for three hours. Yes. And I I would say, try to use my words. It's like, try to use my exact phrase, even if it doesn't make sense. Like keep my non stands in. (laughs) Use everything. And then they wrote it. That's what they did. They they, they let me dictate it. They gave me back their dictations and how they understood it. And then from there, I would then rewrite what they did, which was way easier than working with the, uh, a blank page, yes. which I had done for two and a half months. Yeah. I was like, I, just, I, can't, I can't do this anymore. I'm done. I you know. know. So yeah, that was that was the process. That is such a good trick for people who may not know. Because, I, I mean, I wrote a book. It's a kid's book. But I wrote a book driving from yeah. Franklin, Tennessee to Nashville, Tennessee and back on my um, phone just dictating it to myself. Because ah. I was like, man, if I can move and talk, and then I got home and typed it up. Like, you and I did the exact same thing to get the book out. Sometimes, I, I just wanted our friends to hear that sometimes the book that's in you can get out through your mouth as well as through your hands. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That is yes. part and of the you game. might be able to read more books if you do it that that's way, right. too. That's right. That's right. That's exactly right. Okay, what did we not talk about that you want to make sure we say? 
man, I just, man, I, I just would just say this. I, I wrote this book to help people fall in love with Jesus for the first time, fall in love with Jesus again. And I want this to be a journey that you can take with you that put you, I wanted to put you on a journey of what I believe that God is doing in this nation is, is a, it's a revival. It's a recovery. I think what David Platt and, 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 and I hadn't heard of David Platt's book. I love David Platt, respect him so much. But it sounds like that's what these are the kinds of books that Christians are starting to write. Yes. Where it's saying, guys, 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 guys. Yes. We're wondering why, as I said in the book, Jesus is losing or is a waning influence on the world. Well, as we're looking at scripture, Jesus is having a waning influence on the church. And wow. we need to recover, return. Yes. And uh and, and I want this book to be that. And I'll just encourage you to read it with that in mind, share it with that in mind as well. Yeah, I will tell you, KB, I I am braver after reading Dangerous Jesus. Oh, so I love it. That wow. is how I feel. That's great. So I'm I really it. thankful you wrote it. And it I feel like it's one of those that you may see this later. Today I'm gonna post about these books and because I, I am just so convinced that the Holy Spirit works in f- waves and in flows. Yeah. And we have got yeah. to hear this. Yeah. If we do not hear this Amen. before the next election, the church is in big trouble. I mean, the church will always be fine because it's Jesus's bride, but our influence yes. over culture, there's a reason God is telling us this right now. There's a reason. Yes, yes. yes. There's a reason. Absolutely. I believe, I believe it 100%. That's good. Me too. That's real good. Okay. The last question you always ask, KB, get ready, because every time you come back, you're going to have to give us a different answer. The okay. last question we always ask is because the show is called That Sounds Fun. Tell me what sounds fun to you. What sounds fun to me? Yes. And it can be anything? Absolutely anything. You know what sounds fun to me? And it can be any experience. Absolutely. That, even if I, we do not judge fun around here. It's what if it is fun to you, we believe you. And this is really important. This is in the book as well. Christians enjoying their lives. Yeah. I really, really, what would be amazing to me, and this just put this out. If somebody wants to set this up for me and, and my family, <laughs> it'd be great. Is to you ever like see like on shows? You see this on Netflix when like on food shows where. Folks will go to this world-class restaurant with this world-class chef. And this is the chef that is like, his passion is food. Yeah. And he just brings out these dishes. Some of them aren't even on the menu for you and your friends to try and y'all eat yes. and y'all drink and then marry. If I could have just a couple of those experiences in my life where I'm New York, New Orleans, you know, Miami, Tampa, I don't care. Somewhere where there's like a, or Houston, a culinary capital and some world-class chef and it's me and my wife and some friends and it's no one else is in the restaurants closed. Oh, restaurants closed? It's got to be that level? Got to be, restaurants got to be closed. Respect it. I respect it. (laughs) Come out and explain the meal to us and blah, 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 blah. I did something very close to that uh, with, well, I did something like that for my wife's birthday yeah. where we flew with a friend of mine who's a chef. He's a world-class chef, yeah. so let me make sure I give him Chef Nico his flowers. Uh, but I would love to do that at a, at a restaurant one day. Here's, That'd be amazing. here's That's what I can amazing. promise you. Next time you uh-huh. and Michelle are in Nashville, okay, I can get this experience for you at Lady Bird Taco, which is very delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I will call Gabe and I will call Keely and I'll say, KB and his wife and me and some friends are coming. Can you shut the place down and give us tacos and queso and guacamole until we're sick? And they'll do it for us, man. So next time you're in Nashville, KB, I've got this for you. Yes. I'm yes. Ca- you, that is exactly. Thank you. I know My we've only been coming. friends in real life for a day, but I need you to know how much I mean this. <laughs> I'm with it. We're doing that. Oh, we're definitely doing that. Listen, I will text Gabe today. KB, I, I, thanks for doing this. Thanks for making time to be on the show. I cannot wait for people to get course. Dangerous Jesus. Of course. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, you guys, isn't he the best? Wasn't that amazing? I'm telling you, his book and David Platt's book, they blew my mind. I mean, y'all have got to pick up your copy of Dangerous Jesus. It released this week. It is so good. It is an incredible read. This is the one you need for your small group. This is the one you need to gift. This is the one you need to read and talk to someone about. It is 
incredible. Follow KB on social media. Tell him thanks so much for being on the show. So fun. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. You can hear my cough a mile away. But I'm Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. And I will do the same. Today, what sounds fun to me is I've got two episodes of Saturday Night Live waiting for me on my DVR. Is it still called a DVR? It's recorded for me. And I'm very excited to watch it. Y'all have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow. That's right. A Friday bonus episode with one of my all-time favorites, Shane and Shane. Y'all love them. I love them. They're here. We'll talk to them tomorrow. We'll see you then.